welcome back. This is Dr. Ruth. We are continuing our teaching here in the New Testament. We are still in the Gospel of Matthew. Today, in this session, I will cover Matthew chapter 6. Continuing here, Jesus' timeless, precious teaching called Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount. So we come to the 6th chapter here in the book of Matthew. What is the gist of this chapter? We will learn how Jesus will redefine giving to the poor or to the needy. The attitude of our heart when we give and the Lord Jesus will provide a template how to pray to God our Father. He will also provide correct directives how to conduct ourselves when we fast and he will also teach us about giving. Okay? and about not to be worried. So we will cover all those uh, topics. I am really excited because there is a lot here that are 100% applicable. People still struggle with these issues, and we really have to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to grow. So we begin with Matthew 6, verse 1. The Lord Jesus said, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Right away, what the Lord Jesus is saying, when you are practicing the word of God, be certain that your heart is right. You are doing it as unto the Lord. You are not doing it to impress other people because if you did that, if you do godly deeds to impress other people, it means a couple of things. Number one, it means that you want to receive all the acclaim, all the reward for yourself, and you do not want to give God the glory. And number two, if you did that, obviously God would not reward you for your good deeds, and God would not acknowledge you for your good deeds because you did it with the wrong heart. Again, the Lord is teaching us, it's all about the attitudes of our hearts. So all good works should be as unto the Lord to point people to the Lord Jesus, not to receive reward from man. Verse 2, so when you give to the needy, the Lord Jesus is about to tell us how to give correctly as unto the Lord. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. There you go. When you give to the needy, when you give to the church, when you give uh, to a ministry, do not announce it. Do not tell everybody about it. Doing that again is you're just seeking for people to reward you and to give you a tap in the back. Oh, yeah, that is great. The Lord said, don't do that to get reward from men. Do that because you want to reward God. And then here the Lord is going to tell us um, how that has to go. Like I said, do it so you want to reward God, meaning you want to bless God and God will bless you back. Verse 3, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you right there. 
So you do not need to announce and tell people, oh, I sent that ministry $500 and they didn't even give me anything back. Number one, you don't give to God because you want someone on the earth to bless you. If you did that, boy, you are really limiting God. It is great if you receive earthly blessings, but primarily our giving should be in secret, humble ourselves and give and bless God, reward God with our giving. He has blessed us with wealth and everything else anyway. So when we give back to God, we are just thanking him for the blessings he has given us. So when you give, you don't need to announce it. You don't, you don't even have to claim it on your taxes, really. I know this is deep, but yeah, at least here in the U.S., when you give certain amount, you can claim it in your taxes, and then it would reduce your overall income. But you really don't have to do that because when you give into God's work, God will be certain to bless you back quadruple fold. That is a promise. He tells us that in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. So when you give, expect to bless God, give with a heart that you want to bless God back for what he has blessed you with. And know that even if your fellow human beings do not reward you, God is the one to reward you. Okay. So that is a principle there because when you're giving and you're announcing to people, then you're seeking for reward and then you lose your blessings and you want to be certain that you give with a humble heart. You give with a pure heart. You give with a pure motives to advance God's work into the earth. And just know that God will bless you back abundantly in many ways. It is a promise and God is faithful. So that is a principle there. Okay, moving on to the next verse here. Uh, verse, verses 5 through 15, the Lord will talk about prayer. The Lord will teach about prayer, what is popularly called the Lord's Prayer. This is also covered in Luke 11, 2 through 4. Before I even get into these verses, I want to just speak briefly here about prayer. Prayer is simply communication with God. We as New Testament believers, we are so blessed that we could call God our Father. People in the Old Testament could not do that, which was one reason why the Jews hated Jesus and, and they wanted to kill him because he called God his father. But we have been blessed that we've been adopted by God because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are adopted into this kingdom of God and we are children of God. So God wants us to come to his throne directly in the name of Jesus and pray. Communication with God is simply prayer. And it is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. A dialogue meaning that you talk to God about your needs, about your concerns, or you just thank him. You just talk with God and you listen and you be quiet and he speaks back to your thoughts. And whatever God speaks back to your thought will be confirmed in his revealed word. So you talk to God, God speaks to you. It's a back and forth a dialogue, not a monologue. Unfortunately, some people approach prayer like a routine, <laughs> like a legalistic act where they just uh, talk, 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 talk in a hurry. And then in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, that is not how it should be. So the Lord is going to give us uh, an idea, teach us how to pray. And this really brings one question to the forefront. I've heard some Christians say, well, Ki sera sera, meaning God's will 
will come to pass, whether I act or not, so why pray? Number one, that is false doctrine. You know why? True, God's sovereign will in regards to the heaven and earth will pass away. Jesus Christ will come back and set up his kingdom here. There is heaven. There is hell. That is guaranteed sure it will come to pass. Absolutely. God's individual will for our lives may not come to pass in this life because we have a role to play. When we disobey God and we don't adhere to his rules, his perfect will in our lives may not come to pass and we may die prematurely without fulfilling our unique calling. That has nothing to do with God. That just means that we disobeyed and, and we died. God still loves us. He will receive us into eternity. But we would have missed out God's perfect will for us. But you know what God is going to do? God will raise somebody else to fulfill that will. So why am I saying this? Prayer is an ordinance. God wants us to pray. God knows what we need. God knows and sees our heart. God is 100% aware of every circumstance, everything that is happening in our lives on the earth. But he wants us to pray. That is how we access heaven. That is how we access the blessings. Another key ingredient is faith. We will get to that. But prayer is crucial in the life of a believer. A Christian who is not excelling is a Christian who is not praying. We have to pray. God answers prayer. So to have this notion that why pray? Because God's will is going to come to pass. That's not true. There are certain things that if you don't pray about, you won't receive. Period. It's so clear. There are certain things that God wants to bless you with, but he wants you to humble yourself, ask in obedience and humility, then you receive. Because prayer is really to help us to be Christ-centered and to help us to be humble. So with that little background on prayer, for those of you who are interested in the topic of prayer, I have a book that is called, the title is, are you moving forward with Jesus, how to excel in your identity in Christ? I have a chapter there. It's about 50 pages. It's all about prayer. So I recommend you get that book. Are you moving forward with Jesus, how to excel in your identity in Christ? It will really help you. Hello, friends. This is Dr. Ruth here. Thank you for joining me today. I would like to share with you our ministry offer that is available to you as a donation to this ministry throughout my teachings out of the Gospels. So, I have two resources that I know will bless you tremendously because these two books have blessed hundreds of people. So, the two books all have to do with the ministry of Jesus Christ so the first one is titled, Who is the Real Jesus? And the second one is titled, Are You Moving Forward with Jesus? So for a ministry donation of $50 or more, this includes shipping and handling. If you live here in the USA, we will mail these two books to you today. Okay, it will provide added clarity, added teaching about the Gospels, the ministry of Jesus, the work of Christ, 
these are phenomenal resources that would add into the teaching here I'm doing in the Gospels and, and help you to really have a deeper revelation and walk with the Lord. So again, this comes to us as a donation and we thank you in advance for considering that. Again, the books are Who is the Real Jesus? And the other one is Are You Moving Forward with Jesus? for a ministry donation of $50 or more if you live in the USA. But if you cannot afford both books and you just want one, it's okay too. We thank you for your donation. So who is the real Jesus for a donation of $25 or more, including shipping and handling? And then the other book, Are You Moving Forward with Jesus, would be $35, including shipping and handling. We will mail these books to you today. The advantage of getting both books is that you would save $10, okay? So again, this ministry offer is only available for those who live within the USA because we cannot ship overseas. But if you live overseas and you're listening to me, you can get these books from Amazon. So here is how you can donate through us directly to get this book as a ministry offer. Our safe and secure website is drruthtanyi.org slash donate. Again, drruthtanyi.org slash donate. And then uh, if you live in the USA, we also receive donations through Zelle. And here's the telephone number for Zelle. 909 5019031 again 9095019031 and then we also accept donations through cash app and the name there is the dollar sign Dr. Ruth Tanya or if you just want to bless us with it, a one-time donation to help us produce more teachings like this and pay for studio time, we thank you abundantly uh, from the bottom of our hearts. And God says thank you. And God is so faithful that he will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. So I want to thank you in advance for purchasing these additional ministry resources to help you to gain a better revelation of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, we thank you. Here is the teaching. So now, let's talk about some, let's let's continue the discussion here about some basics about prayer before I get into this. Like I said, it's communication with God. Prayer is a dialogue. God is after the posture of our heart. He's looking at the intentions of, of our heart in prayer. The length of the prayer is irrelevant to God as long as the intentions are correct, the intentions are pure, the intentions are godly, and you are praying within the confines of God's will. Okay? So before we come to prayer, we have to evaluate our intentions because the primary reason for unanswered prayer is, number one, praying with wrong motives, and number two, praying outside of God's will. Because if it is God's will as expressed in the Bible from the book of Genesis to Revelation, and you pray and you exercise patience and faith, you, you will get an answered prayer. So with that brief background, let's get to this. And also keep in mind here that the last prayer that we are about to go over here is just an outline for a more focused Christ-centered prayer. 
Jesus Christ in this prayer is not teaching a formula. It is not a spiritual formula. I have had so many people just recite the Lord's Prayer, but based on their actions, they didn't believe a thing in it. It was supposed to be a guide because the disciples did not know how to pray. So the Lord had to teach them and us. And number two, the Lord's Prayer helped us to focus on priorities that are pleasing to God. And number three, it helped us to be focused and to avoid mindless, thoughtless communication with God. So keep those three principles in mind about the Lord's Prayer. So with that, I get to this. And uh, I think I already said that this is also covered in Luke 11, uh, 2 through 4. So I pick it up here. Verse 5, and when you pray, this is the Lord speaking now, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. There you go right away. <laughs> Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What the Lord is saying, the Lord Jesus is not prohibiting public prayer because we know that the Bible teaches us in the epistles that we could pray in the open, and Jesus himself prayed in the open. He prayed in Gethsemane. That is not what the Lord is saying. What he is saying, that the hypocrites, such as the Pharisees and the Sadducees back then, and even today we have some people who like to be seen when they are praying because they want to just boast that they can pray very well. There are people who've mastered the art of prayer. But it's all reciting. They want to be boastful. They want to draw attention to themselves. But they don't even believe a thing they are praying. So that is what the Lord is saying. Again, going back to the intentions of your praying. Be certain that you're not doing it to get attention from others. That's just it. Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father... Who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, like I said, the Lord is not condemning or the Lord is not preaching against public prayer because we know that the Bible teaches us that we could do that. Again, it's the intentions of the heart. That's what the Lord is saying here. Uh, verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. There you go. Long prayers, lengthy talking, repeating the same thing, reciting the same thing does not mean that God answers your prayer, does not mean that your prayer is genuine, does not mean that you're praying from a pure, genuine heart. That's what the Lord is saying. There are people who can pray for 30 minutes, but guess what? Their hearts are wrong. Mm -hmm. They are practicing sin and living in sin, but they can pray for two hours and they will boast about it. That is the kinds of things the Lord is talking about. He is more concerned about the posture of our heart. Okay? And again, the Lord is not saying that we cannot pray about the same thing over and over because the Bible teaches us in the epistles that we should pray unceasingly. It is very appropriate to go to the Lord and pray about the same thing over and over until you get the result. That is not what Jesus is saying. He is saying, don't keep repeating the same thing or reciting the same thing as a formula, but then your heart is not right. 
Verse 8. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. This is so powerful. Again, it goes to say that God already knows our needs. So when we go to God, we don't need to be reciting them over and over and over and begging him. He knows. We should approach him in boldness, in the name of Jesus, in faith, with confidence that he knows our needs. We go in obedience and humility present our needs to God because he says we should come to him in prayer and then by faith be patient and expect results okay verse 9 he then begins to teach his disciples then this is how you should pray <clears throat> our father and before I even get into this prayer I want to say uh, four major things that this prayer will cover number one it will cover that when we approach God in prayer, it's important to praise God, acknowledge God. <laughs> That's the first thing right there. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is exalting the name of the Lord. We approach God with thanksgiving, thanking him for who he is, for his goodness. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, we talked about this before, the, the Lord's uh, kingdom refers to his dominion, his rule on earth and in heaven, and also his spiritual kingdom, which indwells each believer. So here, the kingdom of God has already come in the person of Jesus Christ, who died, uh, was resurrected, and is alive, and God is indwelling us. So we house the Christians, we house the kingdom of God in us. So the kingdom of God is already in us. So we do not have to pray, God, let your kingdom come. The kingdom has come. We have to acknowledge that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is in us. Okay? So, uh... Verse 11, they give us today our daily bread. Here we see provision. God wants us to approach him in asking uh, for our daily provision. Again, pointing that God is our provider. Okay, and then uh, verse 12 there. And, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here, God wants us to pray for divine protection. And the word there, lead us not into temptation, can be confusing. Uh, in the original language, depending on the context, this could mean trial or a testing. So in this context, we can safely assume that the Lord is talking about for us to pray for God to lead us away from the tempter, Satan, and for God to, to enable our walk so we can avoid the traps of the enemy. And really, we will face testing and trials in this life. I had mentioned that earlier. Testing and trials are good for the believer because it strengthens you. Temptation is never of God. So God will never lead you into temptation. I talked about that. So we can... We can conclude here in context that this is the Lord teaching us to pray for God to guide and lead our steps away from the tempter and to strengthen us in times of temptation which so we can overcome. So that is really a safe interpretation in context because God can never tempt us. So we have seen how in this prayer we have to approach God's throne, praising him, praying for his will. To manifest in our lives, that is the kingdom of God which is already in us, and to pray for God's specific and unique will for us to manifest, and also his unique will for the earth to manifest, and we can be partakers 
of the manifestation of God's will in us, through us, and in the world. And number three, acknowledging God as our provider, showing our dependency on God as our provider, and in prayer for protection. So these are the priorities that God wants us to pray for, really. Doesn't this make sense to you? He says, in all things, give thanks to the Lord. You thank him for his goodness. Okay. God is our, our provider. He is the one who provides. He is the one who gives us the job. He is the one that gives us the race. He works through our employer to promote us. Our employers do not promote us. Promotion comes from the Lord. He is the only one who can truly supernaturally protect us from the traps of the enemy. And even when the enemy is tempting us, he is the only one who can supernaturally provide the wisdom and the strength for us to endure. So these are priorities to God. So when we pray, we should always remember to pray these priorities, all right? So that is the formula and the model that the Lord wants us to emulate. And when we are praying that way, we would be praying a Christ-centered prayer focused onto the Lord. Verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That is obvious, right? God wants us to work in forgiveness. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Again, this is not saying that you're going to end up in hell. No. The, the, the forgiveness of that sinful nature has been dealt with by Jesus Christ. Really. If you have unforgiveness towards somebody else, God wants you to forgive so that nothing can hinder your relationship with him. What unforgiveness would do, it would affect your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. It would cause your prayers to be unanswered. And it would, it, would, it would open the door for the enemy to come into your life to cause headache, havoc. And I have a two-hour teaching simply titled Unforgiveness, Toxic Emotion, How to Walk in Forgiveness. Please, that teaching has delivered hundreds of people. It's simple to the point, powerful, practical. I recommend you go to the website, get that teaching, and learn how to truly forgive on your own effort. Please listen carefully. On your own effort, you are not able to forgive. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit working through you that will enable you to truly forgive somebody who has truly hurt you. So when God calls us to forgive, he knows it is impossible, humanly speaking. You need him. If you have received God's forgiveness of your sins as a Christian, you really have no excuse to bear grudges and carry unforgiveness towards others. Number one, unforgiveness will affect, affect your relationship with God. It will kill you. There is medical connection between unforgiveness and a plethora of multiple diseases, headaches, heartburn, heart attacks. So get that CD teaching and learn how to let it go. Okay, moving on here. Verse 16 uh, through 18, the Lord will teach on fasting. The Lord says, when you fast, do not look somber. As the hypocrites do. <laughs> For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, 
they have received their reward in full. There you go. When you fast, don't look all pitiful and don't do it in such a way that you can tell everybody, oh, I'm fasting. You know, I see this today. There are Christians who are fasting and they announce it to the whole world. You know why? Because it makes them look religious. That is what the Lord is teaching here. Don't do that. You don't need to tell people you're fasting. You just let people figure that out. <laughs> okay? Just, it's not even necessary. Because when you do that, then you are expecting people to reward you, and then you won't get the reward from God. And real quick here, fasting is not for God to to do something for you. God has done everything on the cross. All fasting does is tone down the environmental stimuli. It, it allows you to be more God-centered so you can easily discern the voice of God, which is already there. So fasting is not for God. It's for you to draw in closer, to be more sensitive to God's voice. And you can fast one of many ways. You can fast by denying yourself fluids for a day or or food, or uh, maybe just it, just vegetables for a period of time, a time that you decide between you and God, and you must have a reason. You you would say, okay, well, I, I'm really struggling to hear God in this area of my life, so I'm going to just fast. I'm not going to have any liquids for a day, and I will spend extra time in prayer, seeking God, studying the Word, so my spirit can be more sensitive to God's voice. That's really it. Because God is always speaking, but with our busy lifestyles and everything else going on, it's really hard for us to quiet down ourselves to hear that still voice of God. So fasting helps us to calm ourselves down, spend that extra time praying, meditating, seeking God through his word, and then we get clarity of whatever we are not sure. That's it. That's the purpose of fasting. Prayer does a similar thing when you are in constant prayer. So verse 17, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. That's just it. What Jesus is saying here is that when you are fasting, look normal. Just look like a normal person so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you there you go okay that is self-explanatory that is all i want to say there about fasting so as you proceed with your day today remember that god is with you always enabling you to overcome in jesus name i am chris Oram. stay blessed and bye for now